Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the iDeveloper Podcast, episode 77. That's all the sevens. You don't get many more sevens than that in two digits, I tell you. It is January the 8th, 2013. Yes, we are in 2013. And you know what? This is the sixth anniversary? No, fifth anniversary. 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12. Sixth anniversary of my first Coco podcast. It was actually the 7th of January 2007 I started, but here we are. So this is it. Six years. My God, and I still haven't worked out how to do it well. Never mind. Here we go. Today with me is an awesome lineup, but most of all, I've got to welcome my good friend back, Mr. John Fox. Oh, Mr. Scotty, I have. it just brings tears to my eyes every time we begin a podcast. It does. It is a painful experience, isn't it? It really no, is. No, it's, it's, it's just, it's, I weep for the listeners. <laughs> yes. Don't worry. They, they weep for themselves too. <laughs> okay. Um, we were due to have four guests today, John. Four. That was f- a big four guests. But do you know what? We it only killed got, a number of we them. We only got half of them. We only got half of them. And, uh, do you know what? It's quite, it's going to be quite interesting because we were going to have a debate. I almost said a mass debate, but we're going to have a debate <laughs> on, um, uh, on a certain subject of which two were going to be on one side and two were going to be on the other side. And do you know what? Two of them have chickened out from the same side because they couldn't hold their own argument, I reckon. They call it colds and work projects and all that sort of stuff, but I think they were just running scared. I've got better things to do, yeah. <laughs> in air quotes. Yeah. So we better find out which two of our guests are going to spend the entire time of this podcast agreeing with each other in loving developer hugs. So let's see who we've got first. We've got in Germany, Mr. Uli Kostera. Hello, hello. Oh, John, your sound effects get better every, every... No, they don't, actually. Um, <laughs> we keep, well, if we keep keep the budget down to, at zero, what do you expect? Uh, exactly. What can we say? And then all the way up in t- north of England, we have Mr. Martin Pilkington. Hello. Yay! Okay, now... Was, wait, was that a goat bleeding in the background? Yes. <laughs> now, Mr. Martin Pilkington, known on Twitter as Pilky. Danny did show up. Oh, has he just shown up, is he? <laughs> Didn't you hear the goat? Oh, the goat. <laughs> if you want to know about that, you have to go all the way back to a, a very, very early edition of the Mac Developer Roundtable uh, where Danny and John first met, and that's all we're going to say. Um, okay. Um, so, yeah, Martin Martin is with us. Martin is known to be very controversial on Twitter. In fact, he's even been known to fall out and argue with himself. What can one say? <laughs> <laughs> there we are. <laughs> so eventually we may have to get some stuff here. Now we want to say um, uh, welcome to the chat room. And Mr. Simon Wolf is in the chat room. Now, John, it's 2013. Do we give Mr. Wolf a fresh, brand new year type of welcome or do we stick with the old one? I think you in, in this today's ever-changing world, we need some touchstone. So one, two, three. <laughs> some things just have to stay the same. <laughs> He, he just hates that so much that I enjoy it so much doing it as well. Everyone else in the chat room, we love you just as much as Simon. We just don't like abusing you to the same level. 
but there we are. Right, okay. Um, I'm going to start with some news. I had um, I hadn't even noticed this. There we are. How poor am I? I'd not seen um, not read my email uh, that had probably come through in a sat um unread, but uh, someone just texted me the link and said, "Hey, this is really cool." Um, Developers Against Poverty that we did back in two thousand and eleven. Oh, we did a little bit last year, but we did a really big push in 2011 and raised somewhere around $65,000. And um, we put it to um, Charity Water. And um, uh, that money has now been used. And um, we have dug... Listen, guys, this is amazing out there, you guys. We have managed to dig 13 wells. That's 13 wells um, uh, around... Well, in fact, they're all in... Um, I think they're all in Ethiopia, actually. Yep, every single one is in Ethiopia. So 13 villages in Ethiopia now have clean water that didn't have clean water before because of you guys. You know, this is awesome. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes. Every single well has a plaque on it saying this well has been dug and provided by Developers Against Poverty. And we put the slogan on there, live life well. Um, And, uh, you know, so you guys are awesome. Um, so thank you very much for everyone who donated to Developers Against Poverty uh, back in 2011. Um, you have changed the lives of a lot of people. I'll put some links there. You can see photos of the well. You can see the village. You've got a GPS uh, location for where it actually is. Um, how many people are in that village? You know, so it's you know, these are little villages, 250 people, 300 people, 500 people, and their lives have been changed by you guys. So that is great. Thank you very much. What a way to start the new year. Is that good or what? That's so awesome. I mean, I, I, you know, <laughs> to me, I feel like I got I got all the, the the good feeling, and I did nothing. So I gave money. You you're the one who got this ball rolling, and you were the one who cared enough to get it going. So my hat's off to you, Scotty. Hey, I mean, it's. <sighs> Let's not even go there. It's just great. So um, we look forward to uh, all the economies that are going to change in those villages. And who knows, maybe we're going to see some iOS developers from some of those villages. Now they don't have to go get water. They can start a little business, buy a laptop, produce a great hit like Angry Birds and uh, be the richest person in Ethiopia. There we are. It's um, excellent. Right. Um, Anyone else got anything they want to share about this new year, this new beginning before we, we, we start? John, are you going to Macworld this year? Uh, I might show up for a day, just, I mean, just for a problem a day, you know, I'll go pop in for half an hour to have a look around. It's just, it's uh, certainly not exhibiting. I don't even know anybody who is. Yeah. So that's going to be interesting. So we'll get a report from you after you've been to find out, mm-hmm. uh, uh, to find out what it was like. Okay. Yeah. Um, Uli, Martin, you've got any news you want to share with us before we get going? Uh, not really. Not really? <laughs> oh, this is the, this is the amazing way to start some. Um, to start the new year that we just, you know, um, you know, just have got nothing to say. There we go. <laughs> well, well if, if you're desperate, I mean, we announced a uh, Lightning TV tuner today. No, no, but, we're not uh, that desperate, really. Let's, so let's move on. Um, that's about all I can offer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. Our subject today um, was going to be, or still is, um, it's going to be interesting to go, is it ever okay to totally rewrite your product? Um, you know, there's... How, how many times have we heard of of um, products uh, just sort of, you know, release two just seems to never arrive or if it arrives, you know, however many years too late because um, at the end of release one or by version 1.5, all that crap coding that was going on right back in the beginning, trying to get stuff out the door, it's caught up with people and they've made the... Um, uh, they, they, they've made the 
the sort of a choice to say, okay, we need just to throw this lot away and start again. And then so many years later, uh, you know, the thing still isn't out there. But, you know, we hear about these failures, but I'm sure there are successes out there. I'm sure there are people who've thrown the whole lot away and started again and it all comes smooth and they've never even bothered to tell us they threw the whole lot away and it all came smooth. So um, now the two guests we have with us, I know are on the it is okay side. So we're going to start with that. Um, let's start with you, Uli. Why is it okay in your opinion to sometimes start from scratch? Um, well, the the good side of it is, of course, that um, you go there and you you can uh, redo the structure, for example, of the code and and modernize it and maybe take out some, for example, optimizations that you did that made the code unreadable but that aren't necessary anymore and things like that, and that you can do over things where you uh, did mistakes. For example, um, I once worked on a project that was a server and we had um, used as the core for the server had used a reference implementation that was available and um, it had horrible, horrible bugs like all the memory management. Like, it, For example, if you gave it a, a path to retrieve from the server, then it would parse that uh, path like each element into a linked list. And then the code would just uh, go through the linked list and say, uh, blah, next, next, and assume that this item was there. So it would never check whether you actually had three path elements. And the code was littered with stuff like that. And then we went there and, and rewrote the whole thing for version 2.0. But the, the advantage was the, the bad version at least let us release a version 1.0 in, uh, in sensible time. And when we did the 2.0, it actually worked. So, so you're saying in this case here, you you know, you, you knew when you were releasing one zero that this wasn't good enough and would have to change. So you, uh, you, you made decisions well, to actually, make we, one we zero. We didn't work. really know. No, we, we okay. kind of like as we went, kept using the we. You know, it was a reference implementation from a big company. I'm not going to name names. Um, and they put that out there, and we thought, well, they know how to write programs. Everyone uses their stuff, so it will be okay. And then later, like through bug reports and things, we realized that there was like horrible, horrible things going on in this code deep down that we hadn't even seen yet, where we thought this is so trivial, nobody will make mistakes in there. And it was horribly like, like the, the coding, uh, the conventions, naming conventions, th things like that were, were terribly inconsistent. So when we rewrote it, of course, uh, we had, we used consistent naming and it was obvious who owned which objects and things like that. And it was with the reference implementation, it was very hard to modify the code because for one, it wasn't code we had written. So we didn't really know um, some of the conventions and they weren't documented anywhere. And um, we um, uh, also... Um, in some cases, we just didn't know who owned the code. So if you thought, okay, I have to release this, and someone else actually expected to still be able to own it, then you would, of course, pull out the rug from underneath the, the code that you were a client of. And so you, you're not going to name and shame now, but at the time that was happening, you know, were you inclined to throw darts at the person or a picture of them or the team or the company? Uh, it was e kind of. It it was more. Uh, I guess we're we're more intro. We were more more introverted. So uh, what we essentially did is like we we sat at lunch and just said, "Oh, 
listen to this new horrible thing and that this code is doing and uh, then said, well, uh, uh, I hope no user ever finds out that that was going on until I fixed it. <laughs> what do you guys think about this? I mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty sanguine about these things and that, you know, it, it, you're lucky to, to be in the 2.0 position to complain about the mistakes that the, the 1.0 effort, you know, begat. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, sometimes you, you have to ship and you know when you're doing it, or maybe you don't even know, but at least you got something out there and you're lucky enough to, to have to have a reason to have to rewrite it. Because, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't, think that, I don't think there's any honest coder out there that won't say, if I look back at something I did X you know, months or years ago and, and, you know, and, and not be horrified. I think it depends on how experienced you are as a developer. Uh, because obviously, the less experienced you are as a developer, the more horrible your code will be early on. Because not nobody knows how to write good code to begin with. I mean, few enough people know how to write good code when they study how to write good code. So, if you are looking at something that you did when you'd only been programming for two, three years or something you're going to have more of an inclination to change that because you improve at a, a much faster rate. Uh, like If I was to write something now, in three years' time, I probably won't have improved as much as I did over the past three years because there won't be as big a difference in the code because I've learned a lot more. So I think it's a case of if you are taking code that is much early on. Oh, a good example that I've seen in many projects is people who are new, not necessarily new programmers, but just new to a language or API. I've seen this a lot with iOS projects where people come along and you can tell that they're not bad programmers, but they're just not very good Cocoa programmers because maybe they've only been doing it for six, 12 months. And some cases there you get to the point of, I need to consider rewriting this rather than refactoring it, because one of the key reasons to ever rewrite is that a code base can just be too far gone that you could refactor it, but the cost of refactoring it at that point has got greater than the cost of just rewriting it from scratch. Is that ever really true, though? I mean, if, if okay, I guess if you're... Yeah. Okay. Let, let's let's take a step back. What do we mean by rewrite? Do we mean that you do file a new project and just start again, and you don't use any existing code? Or what if I did file new project and then began to little bit by little bit bring code in from the old project and clean it up as I did it? You know, is that still a rewrite? You know, what, let, let's define rewrite a little bit here. Um, well, I could offer. Uh, a few definitions. So I, I think like like rewrite in my head is really like completely write the code anew. So that would be like like burn the old code and just start new. And um, then um, you could do a partial rewrite, which would be just uh, shoot one component in the head and use the rest, which was actually what we did in that server I mentioned, where um, we had... Um, we had a lot of other code like that was talking to this uh, server core that we had licensed. And of course, since we could just 
so essentially we, we kept like the the connections to the surrounding code the same, but just uh, took took the uh, the server behind the shed and shot it and wrote our own server essentially. And um, that's uh, yeah that that's kind of the the um, two approaches. And then of course there is refactoring, which is uh, more in that partial area but is even finer grained where you say you don't even just take out a whole component but actually um, go there and look at the code and just look at several lines and essentially what you attempt to do is um, shift around um, lines more than actually rewriting or replacing it so you're kind of trying to not write new code but just to, to, to change the position of most of the code so that you can keep your old code. And keep this in mind that old code, existing code, is debugged code, is code that already you know how it behaves. And that's, of course, also something that, that uh, you know, it has a certain familiarity where you know that, um, that this code, even though you know it has bugs, you know where those bugs are and you might know where the workarounds are um, to prevent that. But of course, sometimes if you have to do certain workarounds, they suddenly get in the way of a new feature and then you have to take out a few lines and replace them. But maybe you can just rearrange the other lines surrounding it and thus keep the code. Because if you write completely new code, the problem is you might not remember why you did this one line because it was a very exotic bug that happened with uh, for example, we now have a movie player uh, at Elgato um, that we use in, in pretty much all of our projects. Um, and um, there are some really terribly broken movie files out there. And the thing is that people expect to be able to play those because, you know, you can throw like a, a, a four gigabytes out of dev random at a VLC and it will still play something sensible. Um and uh, so um, we have lots of really weird little workarounds where it says, well, if this field is actually set to this kind of value, it's probably a broken file generated by this other tool. So ignore the next field and instead look at the other field which has from which you can calculate the information that should be in the next field, but which is wrong for all files generated by this one exporter and things like that. And uh, if you do a complete like clean room rewrite of a component you are likely you read, need to have a really good bug database and need to have documented every fix in there again to be able to reproduce that or you need to have some specification that has everything uh, listed in, in uh, incredible detail in it and to be honest most of us don't do that so the, the, for most of us I think uh, the code is mostly the documentation So I think it, it's probably safe to say that everybody here and, and people in the chat room have, have probably rewritten some big chunks of code in, in one way or another and either kind of saying, okay, well, it got us where we need to go, but it is time for a project new file or who have done some type of, of refactoring, so on and so forth. I would be curious to, to, to ask, based on, on your experience, do you, do you then write projects with the idea that there may be a reason to 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 rewrite it, and, and and one case that comes in particular, maybe it's too easy, but you know, you you write something knowing that 
you think that eventually, you know, a framework that you're using will do something. So years and years ago, I, I wrote a contact sheet, you know, kind of a grid view. And would I do that today? No, because you have IK image browser, right? And, and I think that, that, that in whatever specialty you're working on, you know, you, you write things sometimes wishing you didn't have to, but because you know that one day maybe uh, someone will, will, will write something either that's open source that everybody's using that, you know, you want to benefit from or that the, the, you know, vendor is going to produce something. Have you guys ever written written code with that idea in mind? I've rewritten code. Well, the, one of the main rewrites I did was my app Lighthouse Keeper, where for version two, I did pretty much rewrite it. Now, I think one distinction that does need to be made between rewriting and refactoring, at least in my mind, refactoring is all, well, two distinctions. The first is refactoring is always changing code without changing its functionality or anything like that. You're not changing what the code does, you're just changing how it does it. Rewriting can be that, but it can be making it do something different. Another key difference, and probably the more important one, is that when you are refactoring, Generally, if you're doing refactoring correctly, you're never more than a day at most from having something that you could ship. Whereas if you decide to rewrite something, you could be weeks or months away from having that code being able to ship. Now, the reason I decided to rewrite Lighthouse Keeper was, well, first it was the problem that I explained earlier where I wrote that fairly early on, I think I'd only been programming for, what, three years, I think, when I wrote that, and it was very much a mess. I mean, there were some classes that handled talking to the web service, and it, I think all of that was in one class, all the parsing, the communication, everything in one class, it was about 4,000 lines long. And Essentially, what I did for version 2 is I changed that much that refactoring it would have taken longer because I effectively completely redesigned how I talked to the web API because I needed new functionality, uh, which I couldn't have done in the old system. I could have refactored it, but I also wanted to change my backend to using core data to store objects. I was also completely redesigning the UI. So effectively, I would have been refactoring everything in the application in one go from something that is a, would have been a fairly hard project to refactor. So at that point, it came to the decision that it's going to be better just to write this from scratch. Now, I don't think I've ever done what Uli mentioned, which is doing like the clean room rewrite. Whenever I rewrite, I always have code available. When I was rewriting, when I was writing version two, I always had the version one code there to reference. And indeed, some of the code I just copied over and used as is. Because it's very rare in a project, even one that may be quite far gone, that every bit of code is unusable. There is often code that's in there that you can just, may be a method, it may be a whole class that you can just copy it in and just use it as is which is good, as Uli says, because that is debug code. Hopefully it has tests on it so that it's code that you know works, and that's less pain that you've got to do later on. 
Okay, let's let's um I'm I'm just trying to think of some good examples here of people who haven't rewritten um or I don't believe they've rewritten anyway. Um and I'm just thinking of something like so let's take BB Edit. Okay, BB Edit has got to be one of the oldest um Mac uh products uh, out there. Um started way back in the carbon days. Um in fact, I believe it may even still have some carbon code in. Um and so it's you know, and yet um, Rich who keeps who works on it just keeps working on it, working on a bit of the code base he wants to needs to work out, getting rid of the problems, coming back in again, working again, you know, and um, uh, you know, just the other week they released a Retina Ready uh, version, um, you know, on something that was really old in 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 whatever else. So you know, obviously he's left himself, even though he's got this hugely old code base, in a position to. Mm. Um, uh, to do some things now, equally, I'm sure there's stuff in there that we, if you had a brand new code base, would be really simple to fix. But because of the oldness of the code base, he can't. And everyone says, "Oh, when are they going to fix it?" In fact, people in the chat room are saying it now. Um, when they're going to fix some of these stupid things, and maybe his code base stops him doing that. Um, but you know, here is a product that has been around for a long time. People who use it still love it, and um, it's. Uh, you know, and he's maybe demonstrating that maybe just keep plodding away at your product is the way forward, not keep rewriting it. Well, I wouldn't. I mean, the key thing is is that a rewrite is extremely expensive, both in terms of time, uh, energy, and just pure financial cost. So, a project really has to be at the point where it is either that far gone are changing that significantly that it's better to just do file new and create a new project. And like I say, you may be able to copy even 50, 60% of that over, but you may be rewriting a significant chunk of it. Something like BB Edit, given the size of it, how many users it has, and possibly how many edge cases it needs to handle in various things, I mean, never having seen the code base, I would assume that it's a decent enough code base to manage, otherwise it wouldn't have lasted this long, but also it's that big an app that it's just not economically feasible to rewrite it. They could rewrite it, but it would likely take several years, and you'd end up with a buggy thing that isn't really worth using anymore because it's you've had no updates for several years and now you've finally got this update that's quite buggy which in the case of another text editor like TextMate has been what's happened because they rewrote a lot of the uh, actual code editor I believe in TextMate 2 and it's been delayed for a long time because they've been rewriting things and it could have been a case of they wouldn't have been able to get there refactoring it but that's very rarely the case so rewriting does have a cost and you've just got to be able to weigh that up and in the case of something like BB Edit that cost probably is just too great I, I think TextMate versus BB Edit is, is a good example of some of the dangers um, uh, that are in there um, Simon and um, it's just pointed out in the chat room that Apple completely rewrote iMovie um, a few years ago, but if I remember when iMovie, I think was it the move between iMovie seven, 
and six, six and seven, I think. Six yeah. and seven. Yeah. Um, you know, and basically they released it with a nice new slick interface and all the rest of it. But equally, you know, X percentage features for my movie six uh, were missing. Um, now Apple are a um, a big enough company, and they're not dependent upon iMovie revenue uh, that they rode that out. And actually, I, iMovie Nine we're on now is a decent product and has all the features back in that needs to be back in. It's gone forward, um, and so for them, it's allowed them to take a product forward. Um, the I think Final Cut Pro is going through the same thing right now. Final Cut Pro uh, Ten um, was a rewrite, and it's changed a whole bunch of things. I think it's a bit more than than just that. But if you know, if if this was a small company, uh, iMovie was coming from a small company. It was coming from uh, Martin Pilkinson, and you know, all your users are on this. You know, that that could have been the death of that product if it had been someone not Apple. Um, so what I'm saying is, do we have any examples of products out there that have been rewritten from scratch? Have been very public about rewriting from scratch and have been huge successes and worked out well. well I think the Apple ones. I mean, Apple is a good example where. They've rewritten a lot of things, and I've seen a lot of people complain that are oh, they rewriting these applications and changing things? I've seen it with Xcode Four, which is not an, a whole new rewrite, but they've obviously changed an awful lot, which they won't have done purely through refactoring. Uh, iMovie is another one, Final Cut's another one, and if you think back, a very significant one is the OS itself, yeah. which effectively they didn't necessarily rewrite, but they had to basically combine two operating systems together, which, again, you cannot really do through refactoring. That's just not feasible. Uh, but look where it is now. So, But the key thing with all of those is, as I said before, refactoring is a case of you are changing how code does something without changing what it does. iMovie, in particular, was a very significant change in how it was used and the target audience and basically how you interact with it. I was just saying stuff like the timeline in Final Cut Pro was significant as well because that has changed a huge amount over how it worked before. Uh, so these cases where you are significant, significantly changing how an application works for a user is a case where you may have to consider a rewrite because a lot of the stuff you were using before may not be relevant anymore. You need to add a lot of new stuff. And it's rarely a case of rewriting the whole application because it's rare that you will change the whole application that much and still have it be the same application. But if you are changing something quite significantly, you are going to be rewriting a significant part of it. in the chat room which was the Facebook app and that's an interesting example is because it was clearly a, a, a very significant rewrite but not a not a big UX change right I mean basically I don't I don't really think they changed anything about how it looked and even how it behaved they, they did improve some things but mostly it was just to, to get the the speed where it needed to be I mean all, all this points back to, to my mind is that you know it, it's it's a lot more of a business decision than anything else. I mean, I think in your in your career as a, as a developer, you will have to to you know understand how to look at a code base and 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 do that analysis of you know kind of well if if I if you know 
if I do a complete thing, this will, it will, these are the risks and it will take a long, long time, but maybe it's worth it. And if, you know, if the old one is, is kind of limping along reasonably, or if, if you can isolate the base, ba- you know, various subsystems like Uli was talking about in the beginning, um, you can do that. But I mean, in, in reality, it, your job, I think, is as a software engineer is to, 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 to figure that out and then communicate what the even if even if it's with yourself you're a solo developer and then you're 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 going through what what even Martin was was going through it's like okay well I got this product out there it's working but I can't bring it to the next level without rewriting it so I'll 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 take that hit now versus you know somebody like Apple that's well into the product life cycle and, and maybe they just want to experiment with something new but there are all these different options right so, I think it's also um, very important. Um, what you are trying to fix by doing a rewrite. Mm. Like how fundamental is the problem that you are trying to save, uh, to, to solve. And um, also whenever you say, I rewrote my app, and, and you see that a lot on, on like websites where people announce, my, uh, th- this version 2.0 has been completely rewritten from the ground up and it is so much better now. And either that's marketing bullshit or um, uh, you have to keep in mind that this is the developer telling you that the version 1.0 they shipped you was utter crap and they just couldn't keep going. Exactly. So <laughs> I don't, I don't of, think it's necessarily... It's, that. it's kind of a sign of uh, an announcement of failure um, to everyone, I think. I don't think it's an announcement of failure. Obviously, and this is one of the points that uh, was made by other people, where if you just announce that, it's not really a selling point. Now, I think I did this with Lighthouse Keeper 2. No, it's not really a sign of failure. For me, it's a sign of success, hopefully, that you have improved as a developer. I mean, the thing is, like I said, I had to rewrite Lighthouse Keeper for version 2. However, I don't think I will have to rewrite it again. I can just refactor it. And I'm planning some probably even bigger changes than I made from version 1 to version 2, fundamentally, but I can get there through refactoring. And it all comes back to the point about experience, where the more experienced you are in writing good, maintainable code, the less chance you have of needing a rewrite. So, And obviously, the more uh, experience you become with refactoring. So it's a case of, as you progress as a developer in your own code that you've worked on, it becomes less likely that you need to rewrite because cases where you may have wanted to rewrite before, you now know how to handle that through refactoring and you just never get the code into that point in the first place. The only time that it will ever come up then is if you are dealing with code from someone else who hasn't got to that point where they're writing code that just doesn't need rewriting and can be maintained through refactoring. So are we saying here that actually what we should we should be talking about here is not whether a rewrite uh, is a valid thing or an invalid thing, but what we should be talking about is how you can ensure you never get yourself in a position that you have to rewrite in the first place. Yeah. If you can avoid a rewrite, that's good. Okay, I have a, I have a, a but, but source isn't of... That, isn't that kind of the definition of failure? You, you, what you essentially said is um, you wrote bad or at least not optimal code before and now you know better. And that's kind of, it's, it's not like total failure, you know, but it's, uh, to, if you're totally honest to yourself, you have to admit to yourself, yes, I goofed on that one and I'm now going to do better. Um, yeah, but can anyone on the 
in the chart around here actually admit that the code they are writing now is the most optimal it will ever be. Probably not because nope. the chance of that happening. Yeah. Ah, so that, bring, that brings us to an engineering is, is issue. A part then. of of progress and development as well. I mean, that's kind of the like the main difference between at least the the German mindset, but I think it's <laughs> generally in Europe and the the American U.S. American mindset is that in the U.S. you're much more they are much more willing when someone has already failed, like when someone has ran a company into the ground, they always get a second chance and the third chance, and in Germany. Um, we don't really um, honor that they have already made a few mistakes and have had the opportunity to learn from those. And instead we say, well, he's failed once. What's going to make him not fail again? You know, why should I even trust him? Well, that's an interesting point. I think it's... Uh... And so I, I'm, I'm just saying that failure is objectively seen uh, not necessarily a bad thing, but well, it's still failure. Failure helps because it teach you how not to do something but there was a I don't know how it would uh, apply to building a software project but in terms of companies uh, I think it was 37 signals pointed to this research uh, where they looked at founders of companies who had failed compared to those who had succeeded and those who had never started a business before and they found that if you create a company and it fails you are no more likely to succeed than someone who's never started a company before because it teaches you what not to do, not what to do. Now, failure doesn't necessarily, uh, like, well, like I said, it doesn't teach you what to do. It can show you there's a problem. And if you go out there and you do research, there's lots of books, uh, blog posts, podcasts, everything on improving the code you write, making it more maintainable, uh, all stuff like this that helps prevent the need for rewrites if you go through stuff like that and learn the stuff you can get to the point where you've learned that much that when it makes sense to rewrite because that shows a failure of your code initially but it shows a success in your view that you know how to do this better now to get it to a point where you will never have to rewrite it again but I, I don't think I agree with you in, in saying that uh, failure doesn't tell you how to do it right. Because in, in most cases, it, maybe that's also something where you have to have reached a certain point in programming. But in most cases, there aren't that many diverse options left over anymore to do something. Well, so you kind of. Programming is um, inherently a binary thing. So if it's a binary case, then yes, failure will tell you how to do things. Uh, Fairly by telling you which option is wrong, will tell you which option is right. But yeah, I mean, it's the, the process of elimination doesn't tell you which is the correct option. Okay, I'm, I'm going to blood put boiling in here. here. This is yeah, awesome. This <laughs> is, keep stoking. You two are in agreement here. So okay, I'm going to butt in so here. Wait, wait a second. So what, what I'm okay, understanding, nobody can hear me, can they? No, no, I can. I can what hear. I, oh, that's right. Then you just I, ignoring me. Okay, at least I know I'm being ignored now, and I don't have a technical problem. Carry on. No, I, who, I just yeah, whose show is it? Just I don't care about me. Carry on. No, no, I, I wanted to make sure that we summed up correctly. So, so Uli's position is that Martin is an utter failure in everything he does. And, and, yes. and, and, and <laughs> sorry. <laughs> just kidding. It, I'll go, just, I'll go in the big, corner and cry now. It's just a big meanie. <laughs> right. Okay. Some people are saying I'm quieter. It's going to turn myself up a little bit just so I can break into this conversation. Um, 
it's okay so the point the point is here is we're trying to fix problems and you know Martin might argue we learn from failure or, or we may not learn from failure that's you know, one thing but equally I think it's almost every single one of us comes to the end of implementing something and um, I, I, you know almost before you you do anything else you 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 often hear myself or anyone saying the phrase if I was starting again I wouldn't necessarily do it that way or now it would be a lot cleaner or it'll be better is this not an argument then for you know taking um, prototyping far more seriously in our code and I don't mean just by doing little Mickey Mouse things but you know basically every major thing you want to implement you implement as a prototype you work out what it needs you do it you make it work in a way that works for you or doesn't work you try it all out and then when you've finished you throw it away and then you write the code and if you did that you would have very little reason to ever go back and rewrite it again and probably by doing that because because maybe you were looking at the code when you're prototyping in a far more I'm not going to live with this forever way you'd be a bit more adventurous in what you tried you go go for different things and then once you were writing the actual code that you're going to live with for the rest of your life you're now writing from a place of experience be that success and failure um, and knowing what works where your performance is coming from how you want to attack this and and the code you produce is better and you shouldn't have to go back and change it I well, think that's kind of the the ideal case, but um, the the problem is that when you're making the prototypes, sometimes the simplification or or the insulation that you introduce to make this smaller prototype for this aspect of the program that you're not quite certain about actually hides kind of the actual problem. Like often, the problem. Well, here's, here's my argument, Uli. I wouldn't when I, if I was prototyping a new area of code. I would do it in my code base. New branch, prototype it, make it work, learn everything I needed to learn. Now I've assessed it out, destroy the branch, do it again. Yeah, but the... the oh, so, so you mean you're kind of doing it in the code base, but then still you, treating it as a prototype you, and throwing it's, it away. It's, I'm starting my new branch of my project, um, and, for, and for the next week, five days, month, two years, whatever... I am, you know, whatever I'm writing now, I'm not going to keep. I am free to hack. I'm going to make this work. I'm going to do it. Once I've learned what I need to learn to make it work, I throw that away, and now I do it again properly in a in a fresh branch of the code. Yeah, but, but of course, there you're still beholden to the existing code base. And depending on how fundamental the, the problem or the misunderstanding you had is, all you might find out in this, um, in doing this prototype is actually that you need to, that there are other parts of your code that already exist and that are "quote unquote" final. Yeah, yeah, that, I, I see where um, that's coming from. But if you start in the your, way, so, so often the problems are at the at the connection points between modules and not with any individual module itself. But if you started your project that way, that you're never going to have anything in your code that isn't being written for the second time at least, um, you know, because you've already proven it. Then, then you're. Uh, uh, Okay, there is always the situation change where, you know, you were working against GitHub and, you know, now suddenly you have to work against something else and that changes everything um, type of thing. That, you know, that, but that's not a rewrite. That's, that's a um, feature change. That's a whole thing changing. Um, there's always, you know, requirement change. You know, th there's always those things. But let's assume you're implementing around the same problem, you're progressing a project forward. Um, if you're ensuring that all the code that's going into the project is based on a, you know, it's it's second right, what I, what I would call second right all the time, you are 
less likely to find yourself in that position that you're now trying to integrate it to a crap code base. It's never going to be a perfect code base, but I'm just saying, you know, this this place of, you know, ending up with a class with 5,000 lines in it, but whatever else, it shouldn't happen because that often happens when you keep building things up and building things up and prototyping doing it. You should, we should, you know, we should all know that that's wrong by now. Yeah, but sometimes you don't quite, uh, well, you don't quite understand the problem. And uh, uh, if you have a larger project that has a complex pro problem or even a series of problems, then uh, what you are essentially saying, like, like to do what you are saying, what I would have to do is I would ha have to write the whole project once, like each single module as and and connect them up to then figure out that oh the last one i plugged in just because i did it in that order is actually actually shows that uh, like four of the others uh, actually had a big fundamental mistake in them so i have to throw them away again and redo them again and then only then i can throw all that away and write a new version that that has all of the features i need and has them working and that essentially means you're you're doing even more work uh, again and again. The thing is, you're generally doing that work anyway. Yeah. Very little code in any application is the first version of that code. Uh, I think I think it was Jeff Lamarche uh, had a very good blog post where he talked about how he writes code and how, especially how he does it for his book. And I can't remember the exact steps, but I think he had three steps for writing, say, a method, which was first, get it working, which is just get it to the point where it does what you expect it to. Mm -hmm. Second thing is get it working well, which means that it does it efficiently. Uh, it's not going to cause any serious performance problems or anything. And then the third point is make it read well, because as the saying goes, uh, Code is written for humans to read and only incidentally for computers to execute. So a key thing that can help with refactoring, rewriting, or anything is making sure that the code is readable. And like Scotty says with prototyping, that can help a lot because you can do the quick hack job of getting stuff together, uh, testing it out. This is really useful if you're doing new APIs. Like I've recently been working on something where I had to work with an API I hadn't worked with before and go through and find out how I would do this uh, and some other stuff. And it was nice just to create a separate project, prototype everything in there, and it helps you understand the problem better because you're actually writing code referring to it and you don't really have the fear. I mean, even if you are branching of an existing project, there's still that fear in the back of your mind, even though the tools negate that fear, that I'm hacking on this project here. So if you can do something in a separate project, hack on it, get something working, even if it's just a prototype, that helps you get the concepts clear in your mind, gets the problem clear in your mind, and means that when you are writing the code for the final time, it is a lot cleaner, a lot clearer, and you can focus more on making it readable, maintainable, so that other people can come to it, uh, especially yourself when you come back to it, can understand that code, yeah. uh, rather than just hacking something in and then mashing it about and you come back and you're wondering, how the hell I did, 
how the hell did I do this? What does this line mean? So it sort of splits out the whole problem solving with the writing something readable. It's a bit like if you were writing a book, you would write out a draft and then you would revise the draft and then you would go and you would get the final thing that would be published and so on. I, okay, I think we could agree. I think That's we could. He fully agrees. Brad, we're going to stop you there early. I think. I think we could probably wax lyrical about this for. Um, I have the one next little addition. Seven. Uh, well, you're going to get one more thing you're allowed to say. So you need to okay. think carefully about whether it's the one little thing that you want to say or whether there's one more important thing. Um, so I'm going to give everybody one opportunity uh, to to wrap this up with one statement that is going to convince the world that you are the guru that they should be listening to. Okay. So Uli, are you ready? Yeah. Go. So uh, I fully agree, but I think to the three points you mentioned, you should add a point four to to bring real life into it a little and say point four is go broke, because um, the problem with uh, with making it work and having a few iterations is that sometimes you you just don't have enough time to like make the complete product and this is the where the whole if you're not embarrassed by your one zero version then you've spent too much time on it thing comes in so i think it's sometimes and that goes back to something scotty said a very good idea to just say okay so i don't go broke i will kind of create a prototype that i will actually release as my version one zero and during the development of this version one zero i will find out that certain things um, were actually done wrong and that I should do them differently. And then when it comes to doing the 2.0 version, these are the spots where you would go, okay, now I'm going to rewrite this part of the program or refactor at least um, so I can actually go on. But the, the advantage of that is that even though you might have released what might feel like an inferior product, at least you released and you were able to uh, earn the money with it that will finance the version 2.0 of the second half of the project product, if you will. Okay, that's your one point. Martin, you've got to choose. Do you respond to that or do you say something totally fresh as your final point? I think I'm going to try and do both in one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, dear. The key point in, all, in this subject and a lot of subjects and one thing that not just programmers, but humans in general are very, very bad at is thinking long term. Uh, basically, what you want to do is you want to be thinking long term, how can this help me? Uh, for a long time, uh, I had a problem with stuff like uh, TDD uh, where I just couldn't see the benefit. Now, two things helped. One of them was that I realized that most of the stuff out there on TDD is actually very bad, and I found a good book on it. Uh, but the other thing is uh, I saw some stats, which I think Graham Lee mentioned uh, at a conference somewhere, and uh, it was basically stuff like TDD takes 30% longer to develop a piece of software, but it reduces the QA time by 90%. Now, if you look at stuff like that, well, it's a no-brainer. However, the short-term thing is it takes longer to do. However, you are gaining a lot long-term. So stuff like writing prototypes, yes, short-term, it takes longer to write the thing. But long-term, when you come to actually implement it, you're probably going to be having the time it takes to actually implement this well. So 
doing things like improving the code bit by bit, uh, using something called the Boy Scout rule, where you always leave code cleaner than you found it. Doing all these little things that take a bit longer in the short term mean that long term, you're going to get your applications out quicker. You're going to be able to add features quicker, fix bugs quicker, make users happier, make clients happier, and ultimately just be a better programmer. So the key thing is think long term, because if you do that, hopefully you will avoid ever having to rewrite, and you can just get by with refactoring. John. Okay, so my final statement is this. You know, no end user is going to look at a little feature saying rewritten from scratch and say that's a great feature. If you're going to rewrite something, then you better have very clear in your mind what the end user benefit is. And then if you are going to mention that you've rewritten it, make sure you connect that with it as the reason why you've rewritten it. Like, I rewrote this from the scratch to take advantage of touch interfaces, whatever. You know, that, that that's rewrites, refactors, these types of things are a fact of life. You know, we can get wrapped around the axle arguing about whether failure should have you know, taught you something or whether you should have allowed this code base to, to, to get in a particular state. But in the end, the software we write is being used by humans and, and you know, that, that's who we're, we're serving for. It's not our ego. Right, so don't rewrite something just because you say, "Oh, well, I could make this better. I could make the code, you know, b- better." If that's the only reason, then then you should code as a hobby. But if it, you just need to be able to connect a reason to it to something that an end user will see. Okay, and I'm going to finish with a hopefully a, a quite a brief one, and that's the best way to ensure that you never have to rewrite code is to not write code in the first place. <laughs> um, and and I know that sounds stupid, but actually I think we write far too much code and we should be one, you know, questioning every line of code we ever write. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, just don't write crap code and then you won't need yeah, to rewrite yeah. it. It's, it's, it's that simple. Um, uh, says the person who squashes out crap code every day. Um, okay, so that's it. Thank you very much, gentlemen. We are going to wrap up now. Um, I'm going to give you exactly 20 seconds each to tell the world who you are. Um, so let's start with you, Martin. Uh, I run a small company called MCube Software, which you can find at mcubedstb.com, where I make, uh, at the moment, Mac apps and do consulting. Uh, I have a blog at pilkey.me, and I'm also writing a book on Xcode, uh, which you can find information at at xcodeguide.com. Excellent. Thank you very much for coming on, Martin. It's been a pleasure. Uli? Yeah, so I'm Uli Kusterer, and uh, I work at Elgato in Munich. We make TV tuners and video capture products and video converters and fun stuff like that. And I have a personal website, which is zathras.de, Z-A-T-H-R-A-S dot D-E. Um, yeah, and uh, from there, you can find all my source code linked and uh, writing and things like that. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure having you on again, Uli. It's been a little while, but it's been good it's to have you back. My pleasure. John. I'm John Fox. You can find out all about my product, Memory Miner, at memoryminer.com. And if you're on Twitter, you should follow me as Jembe, D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. And my name is Scotty, and I run iDeveloperTV at iDeveloper.tv. You can follow me on Twitter as MacDevNet. You can follow me on app.net as Scotty. This has been the iDeveloper Podcast, episode 77. We hope you have enjoyed it. Until next time, thank you, Chatroom, for being with us. We do appreciate Woo! it. Yay, we love you, Chatroom. And all that sort of stuff. There we are. Uh, thank you, Chatroom. Thank you for you listening on the feeds. 
Happy New Year to you all, even though you might not be listening to this till sort of May time. Um, until next time, you all take care. We'll be right back.